Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Well, it is Tuesday, and uh, he's kind of like an old ground squirrel. He only comes out on Tuesdays to see what's going on. Good morning. Good morning, Dr. History. Beautiful day out there today. You know, it is. It's nice. Yep, it is. So I've got a few people to say hi to this week. Okay. So I want to say hi to Dane. And Dane is. I'm going to ask you to back that mic this way just a little bit. We get a little fuzz. That's better. Better. Okay. Thanks. Dane, who is an Old West reenactor. I want to say hi to Marianne up in Boise. I want to say hi to Tiffany, who is a custodian in Arkansas, and she listens while she's working. I want to say hi to Richard, who is in England. Arkansas? Arkansas. I'll bet you she's a Razorback fan. Probably. Yeah. There you go. Richard in England, and he listens while he's fishing. Richard in England? How come all these people are having fun things to do while we're we're working? I don't know. And then Jeff, he's a, a listener for a long time, and he sent me a picture of the Sultana, the steamboat that I talked about last week that exploded. So he sent me a picture. And then Todd up in Canada, and he requested a story about Canada. So I think next week I'm going to, I think I've got one that will be uh, a story in Canada. How about the Royal Canadian Mounties? Uh, well, this isn't um, this isn't more like a gold mine oh. thing that happened up in Canada. You and your gold mine. Yeah. You've got a lot well, of gold mine and stories. And actually, that goes right into this one. Oh, what a segue. <laughs> what a segue. We're going to talk about the Blue Bucket Mine. Back it up just a little bit more. I don't know. For some reason, we got a little fuzz there. Okay. okay. How's that? Blue the Bucket Blue Mine. Blue Bucket yeah, and you'll know as I go along. You'll understand why it's okay. called the Blue Bucket. All right. Well, okay. So here we go. So an overconfident mountain guide and a lost wagon train in Oregon's early pioneer days could be credit, credited with sparking one of the greatest gold rushes in American history. Now, all of this I'm going to talk about happens in Oregon. In Oregon. Yeah. So more than a century and a half ago, about 1845, a group of hardy pioneers were traveling by wagon train from Iowa to Oregon. Well, by the time they reached the Malheur Mal- Mal- Malheur River? Malheur. Malheur. Yes. Thank you. You're River. welcome. <laughs> about a mile below the present site of Vale, they had already traveled about 1,500 miles. Tired and ready to reach their destination, they encamped at a spring to rest. Now, some were in kind of despair because they had actually lost several oxen that apparently had been die- died from poison really? somehow. Bad water? I don't know. But when one of the members examined a carcass... His hand was infected, and he too died. Oh, my. So so the tempers were kind of on edge, and there was kind of some dissension in the, among the travelers, uh, as you can imagine. One sure. member of the train, by the name of Stephen Meek, who had joined the party somewhere in present-day Montana or Idaho, claimed that he had been to Oregon and knew a shortcut. I got a quick question for you. Okay. Boy, they were taking a big chance back in those days with, like, the oxen and or the horses, because if they lost their mode of pulling the wagon, they were right. kind of right there and not going anywhere. And if they happened to be pulling a, a milk cow, that milk cow took the place of the oxen. Oh my. So, now along the trail, uh, many of them had begun to distrust this guy named Stephen Meek, and when the party set out westward from the springs, they split into two groups, one following the known route, and the other, this Stephen Meek's 
quote, shortcut. Oh, All right? Yeah, yeah. Now, the Meek Party swung to the south toward a place called Steen Mountain, which is kind of in southeast Oregon uh, country, but Meek didn't really know where he was going, and with the anger of the group, he took off. He fled the wagon train in fear of his life after only one week. Uh, dissension within the group caused them to split once again at the headwaters of a place called Willow Creek. And part of the group headed towards Huntington and down the Columbia River, while the rest of the party continued along the Mal- Malheur River, uh, which actually starts up around the Idaho-Oregon border. Yep, yep. The, the river does right. Well, along the way, the party met with trouble again as one member was stricken with fever and died. And just a few miles later, several of the oxen were lost. Oh, my. On August 25, 1845, three of the young men soon went out in search of the stock and walking all day and well into the afternoon before they came to a small stream. Well, quenching their thirst, they picked up about, oh, 15 or 20 little pebbles in the creek that kind of looked a little unusual color, uh, you know. And now, so, this was in the Malheur River? Yeah. Well, a creek somewhere around that area. A tributary. Area. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, they picked up these 15 or 20 rocks or, that looked a little unusual. Well, they found their oxen, and they returned to the train, and they started showing the stones to an older man in the train and a more of a seasoned traveler, and he said, that's just copper. Just uh-huh. copper. Okay. Now, when someone asked, well, was there much of it? And one of the boys said, oh, yeah. He said, we could have filled one of these blue buckets clear full of these rocks. Holy moly. Okay. You may see what's coming here. I do. One of the train's members, a Mrs. Fisher, kept a single nugget, and the, they just threw the rest away. And the train continued its journey, leaving behind, uh, like I said, the other rocks or stones. Now, uh, of Stephen Meek, the guy that started out and left, he did make it to the Dalles and returned to the train with a party of rescuers in order to save them, and the wagon train finally reached its destination at the Dalles in 1845. Wow. All right. Now, it was prospectors in search of the Blue Bucket Mine. Okay, they, they realized that this was gold. But the t- you know by the time they got to the Dalles, well, yeah. so and they were headed west, right? Exactly. So they'd left it, uh, not really knowing exactly where it was. Yeah. Well, so it was prospectors in search of what is now known as the Blue Bucket Mine, who discovered gold in a place called Canyon, Dixie, and Griffin Creeks in 1862. And again, this is all in Oregon, drawing thousands of people to Canyon City, Prairie City, and Auburn in search of riches. Uh, the Blue Bucket Mine is the most celebrated and publicized mine in the Pacific Northwest in importance. Did the kids and the train members ever go back? No. Uh-uh. No kidding. There's an amateur historian named Lawrence Reba, and he wrote, quote, It will even outrank such famous mines as the Lost Dutchman and the Peg Lake Smith mines of the Southwest. So nobody knew then where the what gold was. was. No. Uh-uh. Oh my. Now, l- let me go back with this Stephen Meek guy. Uh, he was the younger brother of a guy named Joe Meek, and he was one of the more famous, uh, you know, he was one of Oregon's founding fathers. He's the man behind one of the state's earliest maps. Uh, in 1845, he, perhaps wanting to live up to his brother's name, this Stephen Meek offered to guide these 800 people in 200 wagons on a shortcut across uh, eastern Oregon. Yeah, their family was known as the Meek Sheep. The Meek <laughs> 
I don't know about that. <laughs> well, as I mentioned, several people died due to the bad water or diseases during the trip. And as water became hard to find, uh, lynch mobs formed twice to take care of Mr. Meek. And a few loyal members hid Meek and his wife, who finally left on their own to get He'd have been better off not coming back at no, all. No, he... Yeah, I think he was trying to redeem himself. Well, Meek was gone when members of the wagon train found the now infamous gold nuggets. And gold wouldn't actually be discovered at Sutter's Mill in California for four more years. So not only was nobody in the wagon train expecting to find gold, they wouldn't know what it was if they actually saw it. Oh, really? They didn't really understand it? They weren't looking for gold. They weren't prospectors. Holy moly. Now, in another version of the story, three young men went, again, searching for the oxen. And there are several stories about this. And they, like I said, they brought back the colored pebbles and was told it was copper. And it wasn't until this Mrs. Fisher uh, got to California uh, or Oregon that discovered that it was actually gold. Did the kids and the families keep the the gold? No, or? no, they only kept one. This they Mrs. Threw Fisher it away. She, yeah. They didn't know what it was. It just so. But there are other versions. Let's go today and follow their trail. <laughs> follow their trail. That's been done, Zeb. <laughs> but there are a lot of versions of this discovery story. In one, another version, children looking for berries found the gold nuggets. In another story, a blacksmith put a nugget on an iron-rimmed wagon wheel and easily hammered it flat because gold is soft, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, it- when you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. In other stories, a toolbox filled with nuggets was lost when it fell off a wagon while crossing a river. That would have paid for everything. It would have been great. Now, in one account, the children were asked how many pebbles they saw. They said it could easily fill their blue bucket. Now, here's where we get the blue bucket. Can you imagine standing out there throwing rocks in the river that are gold? Gold. So here's where you get the term blue bucket, Zeb. Each company in the large wagon train painted their buckets, their axes, their shovels, and other tools a different color to keep track of them. Oh. Which makes sense, right? Well, yeah. Because you're with all these people, and yeah, yeah. Uh, so you paint your You've got stuff. my blue bucket. Yeah. So the nuggets were discovered by the blue company. That's uh, why they had a blue bucket. I see. Now. Whether or not gold nuggets were found by members of the Meek Wagon Train, news about their discovery was not made public for several years oh my later. Goodness sakes. Uh, more importantly, they didn't know where they were at the time. And the train finally reached the Dalles, as I mentioned, in 1845, and most of those settlers went on to the Willamette Valley. Now, let me ask you, the interstate, as it rolls towards uh, the Dalles, and I uh, announced that rodeo for years when it was pro, uh, is the interstate fairly close to the same trail that they used? I, I believe it is, for those that went through the Blue Mountains. Yeah. 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 So, you know, the word about the gold find was out by about 1851 when a party searching for another mine called the Lost Immigrant Mine, as it was called, and they found evidence of the wagon train on Wagon Tire Mountain. Okay. Wagon Tire. And that's kind of in the central north, uh, kind of towards the Columbia River. Okay. Uh, three, three years later, a guy named Benjamin Heron, a member of the Lost Wagon Train, led a search party that was driven away by Native Americans, so they didn't find it. Now, later, in 1857, a guy named James McBride, another Wagon Train member, 
so these are guys that were on the train and realizing what was out there. Okay, so I need you to speak a little more directly. There you go. That, how's that? Good. He left his home in Eureka, California, and led a search for the creek where the nuggets were found. He returned the next year and did not. And still this is up find. at the Dells area. Uh, more east of that, I, I would think, according okay. to the kind of the rough. East and probably south. This towards, one, yes. Back towards Boardman? Or, uh, Burns, maybe down no, I that see. way. I yeah. see. Okay. Now, three years later, again, a guy named Nelson Cochran and 50 men reached this wagon tire mountain, but they were also driven off by Indians. The next year, a guy named Jacob Courier returned with 44 men and searched the Deschutes River. Yeah. Uh, and they searched all over. They reported finding only yellow rocks that looked like gold. Looked and they like were. gold. Yeah. I see. Now, that same year, a man named J.L. Adams got into serious trouble when he bragged in Portland that he had found the lost Blue Bucket Mine. Why do people do that? He could have kept his mouth shut. Well, he bragged. He put together a party of 58 men, large enough to fend off any attacks, and they headed for the Blue Mountains. So it's around the blues that we're yeah. talking. And it became apparent Adams didn't know what he was doing. Uh, I see. A lynch party formed. <laughs> they were real happy with this guy. But what did he do wrong to well, get hanged? Because he bragged about knowing where he was going. And obviously when they got there, they realized this guy didn't know anything. So they got a rope? Yeah. Oh, my. But the party ended up just giving him the boot and started home. And on the way, they actually hit gold at a place called Griffin's Gulch, which set off a gold rush near Baker City. Oh, my. You know where Baker I City very is. Very well. That's right on the freeway Spent or the road. Two weeks there one night. <laughs> okay. Now, here we go. A little later, 1862, one of my relatives, a guy named Tom Turner. Oh, yeah. I never heard of him. Led a group out of the Willamette Valley to find the lost mine and ended up finding gold instead along the Boise river so they went clear back east uh, we're talking a lot of miles yeah, yeah. here now the next year a guy named michael jordan not the basketball oh, player he wore nikes he did led 29 men in search of the owyhee mountains in idaho they never found the legendary site but they found gold along jordan creek and established the silver city district now, i gotta ask you that and yeah. uh, is that where jordan valley oregon right across the border you got know, its name i'm not sure about that i don't oh. i don't know that okay. now Stephen meek himself uh <laughs> after surviving all this him we're back to him he got gold fever and in 1868 he led 30 men on what was characterized as a wild goose chase you'd think they would learn about this Stephen meek I was, guy, gonna, right? I was gonna ask you how did he get all this support <laughs> well i don't know but he he must have been a charismatic guy. Yeah. That's all I can say. Yeah, right. Now, in 1885, a letter in the Oregonian newspaper set off a mass speculation. Letter after letter came in with various and new accounts of the lost gold find, which by that time had become known as the Blue Bucket Mine. Yeah. So now we know it's called the Blue Bucket. So here we go. Years later, 1890, a prospector named White found the grave of a woman from this wagon train who had died along the south fork of the Crooked River. But she had died... That's over by Prineville. Is it? I wasn't exactly sure. But she died before the nuggets were found, and he ended up searching in the wrong direction. Now, that led to a gold rush at a place called Rattlesnake Creek. No gold was found, and this white guy just disappeared. Don't Don't know what happened to him. Now, here's another famous guy, Charlie Brown. 
Okay. Oh, he's got his own comic strip. <laughs> he does. Charlie Brown, a Canyon City celebrity and founder of the Grant County Historical Museum, joined a search party in 1897. Now we're, you know, quite a few years later. Yeah. They found relics they believed came from this lost wagon train between Immigrant and Silver Creeks. Decades later, Brown claimed the Blue Bucket Mine was either in Canyon Creek or Spanish Gulch, and the search for the Blue Bucket Mine continued into the 20th century. A group of prospectors from Spokane, Washington, claimed they had discovered the site near Dale in 1936. Now, I'm not sure where Dale is, but it's all in that kind of northeastern part of of Oregon. Yeah. So that was 1936. Okay. Okay. Now, Charles Hoffman relied on a detailed diary kept by a lady by the name of Jesse Herrett. Now, he was a young cattle driver on the Meek Wagon Train, and uh, uh, he guided uh, a group in a 1974 uh, expedition that carefully traced the lost wagon train's route, and in his book in 1992, this Hoffman guy said he found the lost site, but a close reading reveals that he really never did find it. I see. So let me just finish this, and then we can listen to whoever's calling Yeah, we've got to call. Hold on. Okay. So, you know, the gold rush historians, they philosophize about the Blue Bucket Mine, and they have various explanations for its location. Some theories are geographical, naming actual rivers and creeks. Others believe floodwaters long ago buried the site with silt, so it'll never be found. And a few suggest a reclusive miner found the site, panned it clean, and never said a word to anyone where his riches came from. So so there's a lot of gold, maybe, yeah, out there somewhere. Right. But think about this, too, Zeb. People named creeks and, and stuff, and maybe the names changed over the years. Maybe one was called this name back in 1850, and another, by 1890 it was something True. else. Yeah. So that's kind of the story of the So the basically you're talking about a lot of wild goose chases. It really is. And other gold was found in other places, you know, as these guys didn't find the blue bucket mine and maybe it was just just that just a a a few nuggets and little gold in this one little spot before we take the call answer this though did someone in that wagon train take down in a diary about those kids finding that gold somehow that story came out yeah and, and i don't know that they wrote about it but by the time they got to the dalles and people said hey this is gold then uh, I believe probably the newspapers or somebody would have written about that at that I time. See. I yeah. see. Okay, caller, I'm going to give you about 30 seconds real fast, please. We are out of time. Go ahead. Jordan Valley is named after Jordan Creek. Well, th- also, the Owyhee Mountains, Owyhee is the phonetic spelling or old spelling of the islands of Hawaii, and the Owyhee Mountains were named such because there were some... Uh, native Hawaiian Islanders who were lost in those mountains searching for gold. They never did find them, but then the mountains were named the Owyhee Mountains after the Hawaiian uh, prospectors that were lost there. Well, thank you for your call this morning, and uh, God's blessings for adding that to the story. I appreciate that. So to to the listener there, uh, go to my web page and under comments, uh, send me more information on that if you would. Just yeah. go to doctor history dot com and under comments, uh, 
let me know where you got that information, and maybe I can do a story about that. I have heard that, what he said. And when you said Jordan, uh, the Jordan Crick, uh, way, way, way back years ago, when I started in the rodeo business, the very first amateur rodeo that I ever announced before I turned pro was Jordan Valley. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, a lot of history up there. Yeah. There's a story for you right there. The All the Valley. different cow outfits and everything up there in that area. Oh, my. Well, you know, I've mentioned before that uh, there were cattle drives that went right through here along the yes. Snake River. Yeah. And at one time, the largest cattle ranch in the world was in the Owyhee area. Really? Yeah. Largest. You know, when you talk about, oh, we got another call. I've got uh, only a minute left. Real fast, caller, please. Uh, yeah, it's me again. Hey, where you'll find that is in uh, the fourth grade reader, A Child's Idaho, and those Hawaiian Islanders were brought here by uh, Captain Cook. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Yes, thank and you Dr. History will look that up. Thank you, sir. Yeah, appreciate that. that All right. God bless you, man. Thanks. I appreciate that. See the power of having callers. I <laughs> love great. that. I love that. It is great. Yeah. You know, there's so much history around this area that we haven't even touched. Oh, Zeb, I, I have yet to run out of stories. And after yeah. 12 years, Zeb, and six years and 330 stories on my webpage, there's not one repeat. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. He's going to want to raise. I can't pay him. Uh, but anyway, Dr. History, we certainly appreciate your being a part of the program. Are you going to double what you're paying me now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Enjoy all the benefits. <laughs> Great story. Thank what are you, you going to talk about next week? I might try to get this Canadian story in. Okay. Dr. History, a valuable treasure of information. Thank you. And thanks to the callers, too. I appreciate that.